Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Lodge. Joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. We are going to have a, another guest on a little bit later, um, but we figured we'd come on here a little bit. Um, you know, we know a lot of Cowboys fans are the ones listening to this, and we're not going to get too far into the weeds of free agency because we know that this team isn't a week one, really even a week two uh, player in free agency, so we don't want to get either too depressed or too excited about what's happened um, so far. Um, but just kind of touching on a couple things, you know, obviously the Cowboys have traded for Stefan Gilmore. We'll touch on that briefly. And really the Cowboys have re-signed Donovan Wilson. They've re-signed Leighton Vander Esch um, and they have lost Connor McGovern. That's kind of their big things right now. Um, Noah Brown signed elsewhere, but as far as big difference things that are going into this off season and next season, that's it as uh, so far, but uh, we're going to talk about that before we get started. Joey, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's a uh, free agency. The start of free agency, at least, is a uh, always a fun, interesting week because it tells you a lot about, you know, what they want the team to be from a roster standpoint and where they believe that they are and what the priorities are. Because especially this team, they don't engage in quite as many of the uh, the cap gymnastics and things like that, the money shenanigans that some of the other teams do that allow those other teams to be really creative. And so this team views things relatively straightforward from a cap standpoint. So where they send, where they spend their money, they're not lying to you about how they feel about their team and what they want their team to be. And so the fact that the the three players that they've signed or traded for so far are all defense aligns with the fact that or the idea that they see themselves as a defensive team um but the uh the Stefan Gilmore trade to me is a big deal because it signifies that they're they're looking to upgrade those types of positions rather than just say you know we were pretty good at corner with Anthony Brown we have Deron Bland we have Jordan Lewis coming back let's just re-sign Anthony Brown for a few million dollars a year they're looking to actually materially upgrade that position which feels like a departure from you know prior practice um and is the way that you stave off that defensive regression that we are uh that we have been talking about for a year and a half now it feels like so um interesting there on the defensive side uh but losing connor i think connor mcgovern got a little bit more money than we all expected him to get Um, and i think that's that's an interesting interesting dynamic for what it does for the Cowboys moving forward in 2023 uh, from that standpoint. 
Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, again, I kind of agree with, with you on everything you said about Gilmore. I think it's, I think it's a trade that people like us have been asking them to do that more over the last couple of years. Um, and they've done it throughout time, but it hasn't been as enough as they should. There's teams that do that type of move almost every year nowadays, and they've done it like every other year, it seems like, with Robert Quinn, with Amari Cooper type of deal. So, um, yeah, definitely love the Gilmore trade. Um, you know, while there's some truth to him being a little bit older and you're worried about that play starting to fall off, he was still really good last year. And even if you don't get him for a full 17, 18, 19-game season, if you get him for – 80% of the season that can win you some games that can get you the number one seed. He can be healthy for the playoffs. So that matters. Um, but one of the biggest differences, you know, biggest difference between 2022 and 2023 that we're going to see um, is the offensive line. It looks like uh, yeah. you mentioned Connor McGovern is going to be elsewhere in free agency and, and he signed elsewhere in free agency. I mean, and while I think we would have been okay with them re-signing Connor McGovern at a team-friendly deal. I don't think either of us were beating the door down when he went for what he went for. Um, so I think I – mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but I think they're going to turn to the draft and try to either, one, find a guy who can be a potential starting left guard, um, or two, they're going to put Tyron Smith at left tackle and move Tyler Smith to left guard. But I think either way – with them making that trade at corner, I think you're going to see them go offensive line relatively early. Uh, maybe it's not the first round, but in one of those, so use one of their top 100 picks on an offensive line is kind of what I envision. Um, do you, you feel the same sense about that as I do? Yeah, I think you're right. I think what it really winds up putting into play is it, I think we, you know, the Stefan Gilmore trade probably takes corner out of the conversation in the first round. Um, I think the plan on the offensive line is probably what you mentioned. Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, and then, um, you know, your right side will stay the same from center to right side um, with the idea that Terrence Steele is going to come back healthy. Um, but then when you do that, you have to go into that knowing you need Tyron Smith insurance, right? Yep. They probably feel they should feel pretty good about what the plan is at left tackle is that if Tyron Smith goes down, Tyler Smith is a more than serviceable left tackle who can start one game, four games, seven games, 12 games, if they need him to at left tackle um, should Tyron Smith or when Tyler Tyron Smith gets hurt again. But then the question becomes, what is the plan at left guard in a situation where Tyler Smith moves out. And maybe the plan is Matt Willetsko develops like crazy this year and he becomes a capable left tackle and you can leave Tyler Smith there. But I don't think that is a plan that you can carry to August. If right. that becomes the plan in August, awesome, because awesome. that's great news about Matt Willetsko, but it's um, that can't be the plan in March and April. So the plan has to be, like you mentioned, a top 100 type pick, a second round, third round pick, probably on more than likely an interior offensive lineman and probably one that has the flexibility to play center or guard because you do have Tyler Biotis going into the last year of his contract. Who knows what their plan is there? Um, and you also have Zach Martin at an age where 
we think he wants to keep playing football for a really long time. We think he's still having fun playing football. And right now he is because he's still got a couple of his buddies there on the offensive line with him. But as time passes, how much longer is Zach Martin going to want to play football um, as he goes into what year 10 this year? I think uh, you have to sort of start to have uh, auxiliary plans there on the interior of the offensive line and the draft, a third round pick right where you got Connor McGovern is a pretty darn good place to get a flexible backup interior offensive lineman who develops into a starter in the last couple of years of his rookie contract. And he either moves on or you pay him a modest starter salary and you keep him. And so that, that feels like a, the, the right uh, wheelhouse of where you want to take that type of player. Uh, and I think, you know, from what we've seen so far, it seems like a pretty a pretty good spot to align that with where the draft plays out, too. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, the name that I keep coming back to, you know, is Steve Avila, the TCU offensive lineman. Um, I know that they were a big fan of him this year, like following him throughout the season at TCU. Um, and then talking to some people close to Steve makes it seem like that they feel like Dallas is a team that really, like, you know, is just – could draft him. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that you mentioned that position versatility. He can play multiple spots on the offensive line. He took snaps at center. He's taken, he played mostly left guard. He's played some right guard. He played some right tackle. So that versatility is something that this team loves. And it's something that he has shown and shown to be pretty damn good at. So I think that that is a real option at 26. I know some, I tweeted that yesterday, like, Hey, I think the first round pick for the Cowboys as of today could be Steve Avila. That's just, you know, like nobody's it's way too far in advance to say that that's, you know, somebody's knowing that or telling me that or whatever, but that's a legit, you know, if I had to knock the order to five guys, I think could be the 26 overall pick. He would be in that top five. Um, Now, again, we got second round options. There's third round options. There's even some guys I think you can get on fourth, you know, fourth, fifth round that could come in and compete in that, uh, spot for you. But I think Steve Avila at 26 is a legit um, option. And then your your second round options, in my opinion, a lot of those guys are actually probably centers that you would then move to guard, which again, that versatility is something that we talked about. Um, but there's really, for me, I, I ask you, have you seen any like second round guards that are just, they played guard in college that you think are guards in the NFL? Or a lot of those guys, maybe tackles you're moving inside or centers you're moving back outside. Yeah, I think probably the hard thing is that you want to guard center flex, but their tendency throughout the years and Green Bay's tendency when Mike McCarthy was there was to draft tackles to move inside, not guards to move guard center. Uh, And maybe they feel like, hey, you know, we can get a tackle and – his plan can be to play guard early if he needs to, uh, or we can, and then we can develop him as a center throughout the course of his career, which, I mean, if you think about like Connor Williams, right? Connor Williams was a tackle at Texas. He played guard for the Cowboys, played center pretty darn well for Miami this year. Um, And so he is, he is someone who is, an example of what you can do. I think they wish probably they would have gotten Connor Williams work at center earlier in his career. And maybe they learn that lesson and they start that at this point um, in terms of a tackle. I think maybe if you're looking at a second round type tackle option that could do that, I mean, maybe it's 
it's Bergeron from Syracuse. You know, he's a big dude, 6'5", 322. So he's like true tackle build. Uh, played a bunch of left tackle uh, in college, but could be a guy that moves inside just as an opportunity to as an opportunity to have that athlete. They like the athletes basically right. is what I'm sort of trying to get at. Uh, and so it's a, it's a guy who will be, be an option there in the second round and has the build to be able to move inside and, and plays in a way that he could do that as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think there's a couple of those guys, like I said, like Tyler Steen out of Alabama is a guy who's probably in that second, third, fourth round range, um, kind of falls in that late second, early third round range for me right now. Um, you mentioned Bergeron. You get into guys like Darnell Wright, who played right tackle um, at Tennessee, who I think he's probably too tall to play guard. A lot of, you know, a lot of teams nowadays go away from those tall um guards just because their pad level is a little bit naturally higher against some of these squattier build defensive linemen. Um, so for, for me, I think he's you know going to be a right tackle in the NFL, and I, I don't know that he has a lot of that uh, guard versatility. Um, but mentioning some of those guys who are centers who could be moved out to guard him, Cody Mock, uh, he's a small school guy, but North Dakota State, um, he's a guy who has been mentioned as a tackle guard center being the ability to play all three spots. He did that down at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's shown that ability some um, in college. So I think that he's a guy who could do that. Uh, Luke Weipler out of Ohio State, he's kind of that next guy that you look at and go, okay, he's a um, he's a center. He played center um, at Ohio State, but he might have some versatility to move out um, to guard two. And then Joe Tipman, the Wisconsin um center he's a guy who played center at wisconsin but has some of that guard versatility did a little bit earlier in his career um so i think those are some guys in that second third round range that might have some center guard versatility um it just there's there seems to be and some of those guys early like you know peter skaronsky those guys have that tackle guard versatility but there's not as many this year as there normally is because it normally feels like there's you know, five, six, seven dudes on day two, day three that you can draft a tackle, but they're probably better guards than they are tackle. But it just doesn't seem like that this class has that fit as much as some of the others. It feels like this is a big, uh, a big, tall, long tackle group, which is, yeah. you know, very welcome among, for NFL types, I'm sure, but makes this type of conversation a little more difficult because usually you take the tackle who is 6'3 and a little less length. And you say, oh, we'll transition him into guard. He'll be great. He fits perfectly there. Uh, but but this group is full of, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, Blake Freeland from BYU, 6'8", right? Like there's some of those guys out there too. So the, there's a lot, of, a lot of size and length in this, uh, in this tackle group, which makes that move in, uh, move inside a little, a little more difficult to, or not necessarily difficult to project, but less um, – it doesn't become the default answer for a lot of these guys in the right. second and third round, like you like you would typically see. Tipman's interesting just because we know they like to draft Wisconsin offensive linemen. We know they like to draft Wisconsin centers specifically, um, and um, and he's not a he's not an undersized center at all. So there's definitely the opportunity he could move to guard. Although he's a six foot six guy yeah. too, which is a uh, which is one of those things that's interesting, but I, I know that um, that 
they like to play former tackles at guard, so yeah. maybe they, maybe they don't mind the size at guard as much as some of these other teams do, well, especially because they have a full-size quarterback. I was going to say, I almost feel like – so we were talking about the taller tackles moving to guard. I almost feel like if you're a taller center moving to guard, you kind of had that understanding of how to play with that better pad level. And yeah, absolutely. So many tackles yeah. play naturally higher than guards because they're, you know, kick steps out of stances and stuff like that where the centers are – normally in that squattier, you know, kind of stance anyway. So that that might be a little – I wonder if that's any different for them. Um, but, yeah, this – I mean, man, it's just – I tweeted it last last night and people, you know, got mad at me because this is right after the Gilmore trade. And I tweeted like, you know, hey, like, this is awesome. I'm excited. Please don't take this as a negative, even though people read that and still took it as a negative. But – Of course. <laughs> the, it's Twitter after all. Right, right. So, like, my – I guess passive aggressive comment was I love what they're doing on this defense, but they failed the last two times in the playoffs because their offense wasn't good enough. Whether it was the blocking two years ago or the weapons and quarterback play last year, like they have to get better on offense. Like they're not going to hold teams to zero points. They're not going to hold teams to seven points. They're going to have to score points. They're going to have to do that. And I guess the frustrate if I if if again I use these words and I see why people take it as negative. I guess the frustrating thing for me is all the focus has been on defense and no focus on offense. And this draft, other than tight end, really isn't a offensive heavy draft. I guess is what I'm saying. Like the wide receiver talent really isn't there. Probably not going to be there at 26, and it really falls off the table after that second round. Your tight end talent stretches, so you might be able to get your tight end. But you're again, we just went through it. Like those three big tackles are going to go before 26. You might be looking at a situation where you're having, you know, if that's a position you feel like you need to address, you have to address, you're going to be looking at your Steve Avila's, you're going to be looking at your Osiris Torrance's, your Darnell Wright's, like guys who probably aren't going to be graded as highly as some of the, some of these corners. Like, I guess that's my frustration is I wish, like, I wish that they would have almost. This is almost a more defensive heavy draft and areas that the Cowboys need help in on defense than it is on offense. So I wish they kind of would have flip flopped their, I guess, uh, priority and free agency in the draft a little bit. But that's just me complaining on March 15th. That could all change here soon as we see what they do in free agency. They could add, they could trade, they could still do some things. But just it, it concerns me that at 26 overall, you could be passing up on some of these corners that we know we've talked about how talented they are, how good they are, how deep it is because they're set at corner, which I'm thrilled with Stephon Gilmore. But then are you going to be hurting your draft value and your position value because you went so defensive heavy in free agency and are relying on the draft to fill those offensive needs? Anytime they go into a draft needing a position, it seems to not turn out so hot. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that one of the things about their approach is they seem – they seem, you know, just bent on this idea that they are going to build this team around the defense. And you mentioned it. You're not going to hold teams to, you know, seven points, ten points, whatever, especially, you know, even in the playoffs, you know, with the way they played against San Francisco, the defense played awesome. Awesome. But you're you're going to run up against teams that can score, and they're going to score on you even if your defense is really good. Um, and you're and you're going to run up against good defenses that you're going to need to be able to score against. And so maybe they have something in play 
on the offensive front that we don't know about yet. Um, or maybe they just say, hey, you know what? This is a defense-heavy draft. We know a lot of the league is going to lean defense in this draft. Yeah. Maybe that allows us to zag a little bit when everybody else is zigging. And um, and it will it will work out right for us in the end because every, when everybody is picking quarterbacks and defensive linemen at the top of the draft, we'll be able to sit there at 26 and we'll be able to get a – a wide receiver we really like, or we'll be able to get, you know, maybe they want to just pick a tight end in the first round, whether that's a great idea or not. Um, And maybe they look at it and say, we know we're going to have a tight end. We really like at 26 because there's three of them. We really like, and there's no way three tight ends go in the top 25 picks. Um, And that's just, that's their idea. Um, Maybe it's, you know, maybe they're just going to pick a running back there and they, you know, who (laughs) knows. Um, But it's a, um, it's just an interesting, it is an interesting approach for sure. And I think that you, you said the word frustration, and I think that's what sort of ra- winds people up a little right. bit in terms of, in terms of negative feedback there is that, or taking it as negative. Um, it, it's a little, it's confusing maybe, or, or, right. or confounding a little bit. Um, but this team has, they operate in their own world with so many things, like with Absolutely. the way they value running backs, the way they use the franchise tag, the way they approach, you know, different things. Um, and so they have some sort of an idea of what they want to do. And, and maybe uh, I would not be shocked if their thought on the offensive side of the ball is we have two tight ends we really like. We have a running back we really like. We have a good offensive line and a great quarterback. We have a great number one wide receiver. We have Michael Gallup is going to be healthy. I guarantee you they're telling themselves that. Michael Gallup is going to be healthy. Jalen Tolbert will be in year two. We'll draft another wide receiver somewhere in the top 100. We'll drop him in there, and we feel pretty good about our offense. We think Mike McCarthy calling the plays is going to make enough of a positive difference going forward this year that that's the difference between us scoring what we scored against San Francisco and scoring the two touchdowns or the 10 extra points we needed to win that game. Um, I would not be shocked if that's what they're talking themselves into right now is that if we can get our defense to the, to the level that we want to get it to um, that we believe in Mike McCarthy enough. And we believe in Dan Quinn enough that Dan Quinn is going to get this defense to where it needs to be. And Mike McCarthy is going to make the improvements necessarily necessary on offense and we're going to and that's the way that we're going to really improve the offense um, and, and feel like that we improve the offense through scheme and different play calling and play um, sequencing and things like that. And we improve and stave off um, defensive regression through talent acquisition. And, you know, that's not that terrible of a plan, but you're really putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a play caller who has not called plays in five years. Like that's a, it's a big basket to put all that into for Mike McCarthy. Um, and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I would, I would much rather them take a different approach. Well, I was going to say, and let me say like, I don't think that's their plan. Like I think they're either going to go into this draft and be aggressive at wide receiver early, or they're going to sign to Nodell Beckham or possibly, you know, I mean, I keep mentioning it. I, I, if I was them, I'd pick up the phone call. Here, and, and I know the, the money gets different. You know, DeAndre Hopkins has said that he's, you know, willing to work with his contract if he's on a contender. 
offer the 2024 second round pick. I could care less about 2024 draft picks right now. Like I can recoup those. I can make trades this year or next year to move back and pick that back up. Like a 2024 draft pick, second round draft pick right now is like a 2023 fourth, I think in value or something like that. Um, If you look at the the value charts in a year in advance. So, I mean, I would just say, hey, you know, if you want a second round pick so bad, nobody's going to give it to you. Take our 2024. You're not going to be competitive this year. You're probably not going to be competitive next year. You can't get higher than, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion on what Hopkins value is, you know, this year um, with the draft pick. So you go, hey, we're going to give you a really good draft pick, but it's going to be next year. Um, So take that. And and if they do something like that, which, you know, I don't know if that's in play for them, but if it is, you know, I think that that is the approach to go to, but I I think, I mean, I think they're going to get better on offense somewhere or the other. I I think that if they do that plan that you were saying, where it's like, Oh, we'll just hope that Mike McCarthy's the difference maker. And we hope that, you know, the turnover regression is going to make us a more explosive and a little bit, you know, more reliable, consistent offense. I don't think that's a good idea, but like you said, I could see it being the thing, but I mean, I think getting this offensive line straight's the priority one for them. It always has been. That offense has been very offense line has been always been a very valuable uh position for them. They spend a lot of resources on it. So I think that this draft um is gonna be offensive line focused early on. You know, whether it's uh, Osiris Torrance to plug and play at left guard, whether it's a Steve Avila, um, whether it's one of these second round options. We actually uh, – I had the uh, opportunity to talk to Antonio Mafe, the UCLA left guard, um, last week. And this – the interview with him is going to be attached to the end of this podcast. So we'll go on a break here in a little bit and then bring him in. Um, I think he's a very intriguing third, fourth round option for this team. He he played right guard early in his career, but he's an inside player only. Um, big, physical, mauler. Um, he's, and the cool thing that I love about the guys, he's, he's very like, he's, he's raw. Um, he says that in the interview, like he was recruited and played defense coming out of high school. He played defense his first two years at UCLA. And then he was converted to a uh, right guard and then played left guard for the remainder of his career at UCLA. And I mean, you turn on like Zach Charbonnet's film, you turn on, those guys film at, U- at UCLA, the, the quarterback's going to get drafted, I think, or be a you know you, uh, undrafted free agent. You turn on some of those guys' film, and Mafia is is noticeable on tape. He's he's a mauler. He's aggressive. He's a really good run blocker. Um, I think he plays more athletic than his profile kind of suggests. Um, you know, on tape as far as moving in space, his pass protection. So his pro day is actually tomorrow. Um, so I'm interested to see how he tests. But I think he's a guy, um, he said he's met with the Cowboys a handful of times throughout this offseason process. He was a Shrine Bowl guy. He was rated as probably the biggest combine snub um, of this draft process. Um, so he's a guy who's met with Dallas multiple times, um, has the plug-and-play left guard ability because he played so much of that at UCLA and think he brings that mentality that they're looking for too they've always talked about getting tougher getting a little bit nastier on that side of the ball and on the in that offensive line and I think he brings that to the table so we're gonna include this interview in here and and hopefully possibly potentially um we were able to speak to the (laughs) the Cowboys left guard in 2023 we still got a ways to go before we figure that out but uh 
we've hit a few of those over the years. I know we've done a couple of these interviews and they mentioned, you know, their conversations with Dallas and we talked to them in March and April. And then by the time the end of April rolls around their Cowboys. So it's kind of cool to hear their thoughts and everything before they actually get drafted. But uh, you guys tune around for that. Um, That's going to be a fun interview. Like I said, it's going to be attached here uh, at the end of this podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you will hear our uh, interview with UCLA left guard, Antonio Maffei. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm joined by UCLA offense alignment, Antonio Mafia. Antonio, man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I know you're doing well. Um, Two, you got a pro day coming up next week, uh, March 15th. I know you're probably getting ready for that thing. Um, how excited are you to get out on there and uh, showcase what you got, man? Uh, definitely. I'm excited. You know, um, last, you know, two and a half months have been leading up to this moment. So ready to go out there and get after it. I'm sure you see it, but obviously, you know, listed as one of the biggest combine snubs. I'm sure your competitive spirit, we see that on tape. I'm sure you're ready to come out and kind of dominate and show you got, you know, show everybody like, hey, this is what you missed in Indianapolis. Now, here it is. And um, I know your your juices are probably flowing, ready to go. What are what are you most excited to show at your pro day at UCLA? Um, you know, just, you know, in the O-line drills, uh, displaying my ability to, you know, my technique is being uh, cleaned up a lot from uh, the season. Uh, one of my biggest uh, things is that I'm still raw. haven't had that many years playing O-line. Uh, just to show the, how much work I put in uh, these last few months. You also continued a trend on this podcast. A few of the guys we've interviewed so far, it's been a lot of position flips. We've had a lot of guys who've come in as recruited as defenders who switched over to the offensive side of the ball and vice versa. Um, talk about that a little bit. You you know, you 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 came to UCLA as a defense alignment and you played defense for the first few years there. And obviously out of high school, you did that as well. Um, what things can you take away from being a, you know, recruited defense lineman that you use on the offensive side of the ball? Um, and just talk about kind of getting there, playing defense, and then having that rotation and switch, you know, two years in at UCLA. Uh, yeah, I mean, most definitely uh, first two years were really great playing defense. Um, you know, eventually, 
uh, I just felt like me personally, I wanted to play the line. So I uh, went and asked Coach Kelly to make that move. Um, and he was actually, you know, all on board with it. Uh, made that move. But biggest thing I think uh, that I bring from defense over online is just that mentality. Um, a lot of D linemen are dogs, you know. Yeah. Um, and I got I got that mindset bringing it over to the offensive line. Um, you know, obviously a lineman got to be really smart. Got to be able to learn the playbook, block, you know, the same play to three different fronts and whatnot. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing as well is just understanding how uh, uh, to attack a D lineman. You know, D lineman we got or we had when I was on D line, we had a certain hand placements that we wanted yeah. to put it at. Um, and then just being able to attack a D lineman, knowing how he how he would react and how he's going to fight, you know, whatever block I give him. I think that was the biggest benefit of me uh, playing D line in college and then moving over. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I think I do in evaluations and NFL guys do in evaluations is, you know, the, the, they say the closer you move to the ball, you know, so obviously the center snapping the ball, the closer you get to the ball, the more mental side of things and the more processing has to be done. Um, because of how quick those and things happen and how quick guys move um, on the interior. Um, how how much playing defense has that helped you as a guard, um, just being able to process things, mentally see things happening a little bit quicker because of being on that side of the ball just a few years ago? Yeah, most definitely. You know, d you got to react to to the way the O-lineman is blocking you, you know, whether it's like a reach block, um, pass block, you know, or it's like play action pass. And just being able to understand how I had to, you know, change from – run stopping to, to, you know, rushing the passer on it, like, you know, split a dime right away um, and whatnot. I'd say on offensive line, they helped me definitely just be able to understand, like, the twist game and the tendencies of the D linemen and how to uh, process, you know, what the defensive line and linebackers are trying to do in that box. Now, you mentioned the drills you're going to be doing at the Pro Day on the 15th. Um, obviously, you plan on probably going through all those. Are you going to do all the athletic testing and all the, you know, bench, all that stuff? Yeah, most likely, yep. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Um, it's funny because you know you sit down, you watch combine, you watch pro days, and everything. You see these big guys running all the forties and everything. Which which athletic test are you most excited to do, and you feel like translate mostly to your game? Um, for me, I'd say probably um, I'd go with the shuttle, pro shuttle. Just my, one of the things that people don't, uh, you know, uh, don't really understand about me is that I, I think I can move really well and bend. Um, and just to be able to show that out there on Wednesday next week, uh, I think would be really good for me. Yeah, it's something you see on tape at, at UCLA. You guys do a lot of the pin pull stuff. You guys moving in space. You know, one thing I like that y'all's offense did is you you guys would pull, and it might be part of your RPO game. Maybe you can give me a you know dip into that. But a lot of the things you like, you got you'll be pulling to the left, and the play will be a you know a screen or something to the right. Is that more of an RPO um, type of? play that you guys run at UCLA is it mainly just you guys kind of have that that formation of moving the defense one way and then putting the ball back the other way uh yeah I mean definitely it's part of our RPO definitely uh most of our plays we try to have uh you know cover 53 and a third we used to we used to always say that you know if the left is left sandbox is checked down if the middle sandbox is down then you know the play is open to the right and we would just like to spread the defense apart um and just make sure that every single play was 53 and a third so that's pretty much what we did here and I love watching you guys' offense at UCLA because you guys did a lot of quarterback running. You, you, your, your quarterback threw in the pocket, threw out of the pocket. Obviously, you guys had great running game success at UCLA. What's your favorite thing to do um, as a as an offense lineman? Is it pass protect? You know, just keeping that quarterback clean, keeping him 
you know, upright and be able to make those explosive plays, or is it just getting down and dirty in the the trenches and the the running game and really getting out in space or blocking in space and just in really moving guys to to get guys open, uh, get, create those running lanes. Um, I'd say for sure it'd have to be run game. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't get many. I don't get many. Uh, I love pass. I mean, people love pass protecting, but I feel like most yeah. offensive linemen love to run block. <laughs> no, for sure. That's 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 our bread and butter. You know, you just imposing your will on D linemen, and then you know when you get a fresh hit, like a clean hit on a linebacker, you know, it just slows him down a little bit. But definitely, you know, running duo up the middle on like third and short. You know, when the defensive lineman knows you're getting around the ball, that's like I live for that one on one. I'm sure you've been ta- you've talked about this game a lot because I thought it was a, a really good game for you. But UCLA uh, versus USC, uh, you guys did a lot of the dirty work in that game. You know, I like to say just yeah. goal line stuff. Just that was a obviously an amped up game for you and and the offensive line and the offense as a whole. But uh, that was a fun game to watch. Kind of going back to it, is that one of the games that you kind of reflect on and you kind of view as one of your better games or do you have one that stands out to you that, that you like to point to and go that's that's the tape I really like to sit down and watch when I'm I'm talking about the, the good stuff that I put on the table um I say USC is definitely one of them uh for sure uh especially with our run game uh, we did a lot of different things uh scheme, schematic wise that game I'm also think we scored like two or three times with the QB sneak um which yeah. is really fun you know we were looking at sideline and we just like begging coach to just throw a QB sneak in there I mean, we ended up scoring a bunch with that. Um, but I say USC is one of my better games just because of the, um, you know, the talent-wise who we played against. Um, probably my best game would be Stanford, Arizona, but no knock on them. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, top-tier defensive lineman, I say, in my eyes. That was playing. I wanted that to know that as well. Um, so USC, probably Washington as well as the games that I tell you to look at just because it's against uh, pretty good competition. And you mentioned some of the stuff you kind of do well and maybe even some stuff you want to improve on. You, you've actually started kind of on that 30-visit list, um, going in and getting the medicals checked. What, what are some fee- what's some feedback you're getting from the NFL as far as, hey, this is what we like seeing, you know, from you right now, and then here's something maybe, you know, we want to see improve on in the next couple of weeks and months. Oh, yeah, the biggest thing was, um, for me at least, is just I have the intangibles, you know, the mindset, um, the physical abilities to just, you know, run through somebody's face. And um, I, I think the biggest thing they really liked was just my mentality of, you know, trying to finish people, put guys in the dirt. That, those are things you can't teach people. But um, the biggest thing obviously would be uh, my technique, just being um, not having too much playing time um, on the offensive line and still being pretty new to this. Uh, the biggest thing they want to see me is work on my technique, whether it be in the run game or in the pass game, um, just being able to have better hand placement, um, you know, using different techniques for different blocks. You know, that's the biggest thing that they want me to improve on. And uh, which me personally going into this whole process understood and already knew about myself that that was going to be the thing I needed to work on the most. It's funny because we've seen, I guess in the NFL, we've seen like for so long it was running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. So much recently it's been so much passing the ball, passing the ball, passing the ball. But then we've seen teams kind of revert back to that running game a little bit more here over the last year. Um, You know, we saw the Chiefs, win the Super Bowl, not because they were airing it out all over the place, but because they were able to kind of get back into the trenches and run the ball teams, you know, defenses are lining up in those cover two, you know, two, two safety high looks. And the way you beat that a lot of times is to run the football. And that's something that teams are kind of looking at. Um, so for me, it, it's funny because man, like this, this draft, there's a lot of offensive linemen in this draft. There's a lot of tackles that kind of 
you think are going to convert two guards because of that lack of arm length or something. But for me, I just, I love a offensive guard. I just do like, there's something about them that, that I, that yeah. I like them, man. They, they got the body type. They got that mentality. Like, I just feel like a guard's mentality is just different than a, I don't know. Is it different? Yeah. Is your mentality as a guard center different than a tackles mentality and his, 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 you know, mental capacity and what he's doing in game? I mean, you know, at least, I, at least for me, you know, joking around with my my tackles and my center, you know, I definitely agree that the guards and the centers got to be the smartest ones. Uh, usually during games, our center is making all the calls, but he's checking with me and our right guard. Um, but, you know, I'd say the left tackles and right tackles, you know, they're the flashy ones. Everyone, when they talk or think about the online, they'll talk about the tackles and not really the interior three. But I really think the interior three uh, sets the tone during the game, yeah. you know. If, if it's a – you know, it's one thing to get the run game going, but to get it, you know, with inside zone or duo just right up the middle, um, that's a big statement and demoralizes the defense for sure. So you guys have had quite a bit of offensive linemen drafted out of UCL, uh, UCLA recently. Sean Ryan was a guy that I loved coming out a few years ago. You played with him. Mm-hmm. Um, have yep. you gotten any feedback or what's the conversation been like with some of these guys drafted here recently? Maybe on, you know, hey, this is what you need to prepare for. Hey, this is what, you know – this is the differences from college to the NFL, you know, get, re- get ready for this. Like what's those conversations been like? And maybe some of the, I mean, you don't have to give us word for word, but maybe some of that conversation you've had with guys here recently. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Uh, yeah. I played, uh, I rotated at left guard uh, my junior year and uh, played with Sean Ryan. So I was pretty close with them. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things, you know, that uh, all the boys that are playing in the league right now that are telling me is just, you know, be able to deliver as a professional, um, you know, 24 seven, whether you're working out the way you work out and carry yourself and, you know, um, doing drills and whatnot, but then also like off the field, you know, you're not a college kid no more. You got a bunch of time in your hand. You got a bunch of money now. It's like just being able to stay focused and understand that you're a professional athlete um, is the biggest thing that, that I think they echo um, all of the boys. And then, yeah, they're just the same thing. They also say is, um, you know, technique is key in the NFL um, in college, uh, same way as in high school, but in college, you know, Sometimes you can get away with just being flat out a better player um, than your um, opponent. But in the NFL, everyone's there for a reason. Um, you know, no one's just like low tier, top tier, whatnot. Everyone has um, the physical abilities. It's just whether or not you can execute the technique and who can do it, you know, faster than another. Um, and that's, I think, those are the two main things that they've been echoing and telling me about. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we get into some some different stuff. You know, you you played you played left guard at UCLA. Your projected is kind of that guard in the the NFL. Have you had any experience, or do you have any experience, or what's that going to be like? Are you able to play on the right side? That's something that fans I don't think understand how difficult that transition is. Um, yeah. I've I follow and I'm a fan, and I cover the Dallas Cowboys, and it's been a conver- conversation with Tyron Smith for so long. I mean, he. Played left tackle um, at USC coming out of high school and played some right tackle there as well, but played primarily left tackle. And there's been so many topics of conversation where it's like he played right tackle for the first time in his NFL career this year. Um, and, you know, it didn't wasn't bad at him. Mean, he's a future Hall of Famer, but that's just something that's not as easy as, as I think some fans view it as. What's your take on just flopping, you know, switching sides? Are you a guy who you view yourself as a left guard only, or do you think you can switch over and play that right guard and be just fine with it? Um, I think I could switch and just be, you know, just be fine with it. I played, uh, I started three games my junior year at right guard, actually. Um, So, you know, playing right guard, left guard, um, you know, it doesn't matter to me, whichever uh, makes me see the field quicker. But 
I'd say uh, I did play primarily, you know, a dominant amount of my snaps at left guard. Um, and it is difficult a little bit to, to move over. You know, you got to flip the plays in your head. Then you got, you know, your hand placements are different. You know, now your outside hand is your right hand, not the left hand. Um, but those kind of things, I think it comes with time, obviously. Uh, you can't just, you know, the greats, maybe they could uh, make it seamless, uh, that, that switch over to the other side. But, um, you know, eventually with the more snaps, you get comfortable and you get back into the rhythm of playing the right guard. Um, so I see myself as playing either guard position and a little bit of a center too, if need be. Obviously, it's not this simple. Um, I'm just curious as somebody who ha- haven't played, hasn't played that position and doesn't play that position. You guys pull a lot. You guys move a lot. You guys are in space a lot. Does does that help maybe ease some of that stuff just because of how much you guys are in space and moving, you know, from left to right instead of being so much in a box, playing so much in a box at UCLA? Does that maybe make that? move or transition maybe a little bit easier because you're so used to playing out in space and out outside of just playing in that little tackle box oh for sure most definitely um you know left like when I was playing left guard it didn't matter I was pulling left and right um and like even on play action passes I was still pulling left and right, right. we did a lot of uh things to get um us alignment out on the edges around space um I think that definitely uh, does help you you know once you like getting out to open space and whatnot you're used to pulling both ways um, so being at right guard, I think, you know, if you're pulling, it wouldn't be as challenging just because you're used to being in space all the time. No doubt. Um, so I want to get into a little bit stuff that doesn't involve you playing at football at UCLA. First thing I do, and, you know, I'm doing some research on you guys, doing your scouting reports, writing things up, uh, writing reports up, is, is I pull up your name and I type in UCLA. So I got to say, the one thing that I'm curious on is you got um, you got your hobbies here include – Singing, rugby, and family outings. Are you a singer? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, like a singer, singer. Or you just like singing, like in the shower, like, like if I, oh, no. if I, I ask you, ask you to break out into just full on song right now, you could do it without hesitation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I grew up, uh, was in choir all throughout elementary, middle school, as well as my four years as a men's chorus, uh, men's chorus in high school. And my dad's a music director at our church back home, so singing has like just been a part of me my entire life. So, so what are you what are you into from from a singing standpoint? Um, from singing standpoint, I mean, it is it doesn't matter to me. Um, I listen to all types of genre, all genres, um, country, island reggae, um, hip hop, R and B. Doesn't matter. I feel like I sing all of them. So, so, so March March fifteenth, you're at your pro day team pulls you off to the side we we know that there's always like some weird stuff that people make you do or say or whatever they ask you some weird questions they ask you to break out into song you got to sing the entire song right what song is that um probably my girl temptations okay uh, I, i've already uh i've already had one team i met with uh asked me to actually break out a song no um, way and i swear so I, I did sing for them i didn't sing the whole song what um, song did you sing me, I sang My Girl's Temptation. Okay. Okay. Temptation. Did, did, they, did they ask you to sing that song? Or were they like, pick any song? Let's hear it. No, they're they're like, pick any song. And I was like, I sang that. I mean, I didn't sing the whole song. I stopped. And they're like, why'd you stop? You're just going so good. And I was like, you can hear the rest when, you know, you guys do that rookie, uh, like you know, it. karaoke type stuff, you know. I like it. That, that's a good, great answer. And obviously, great yeah. song. Did they did they ask why they made you do that? Huh? Did they tell you I mean, they were just. They were just saying, just like we were just see, calling you on your bullshit, seeing if you really could do it, and you know, and we we're just gonna see if they're gonna like that. I thought I was gonna fold or be nervous. Um, so right when they said sing a song, then if you're a singer, I was like, all right, bet. Like if 
I know I could sing, so I'm assuming. That's awesome. Uh, what can you tell us what team that was? Uh, I say the. Uh, I mean, I, I played probably more. Yeah, it was the Packers. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, so also in your bio, I saw that you were cousins with Devin Asiasi, the tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got some. You got some bloodline background. That's for sure. Um, he was yeah. a fun player. Had a lot of success uh, in the NFL. Um, what's the conversations been like with him? Obviously, being a family member, close. You know, mm-hmm. you got friends. You got guys you play with at UCLA that you're you've talked to. But being able to just pick up the phone and talk to that family member's got to be a different vibe for sure, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, even when I was still here in college and he was coming back to UCLA to visit, you know, he was picking me up and just taking me around with him. Um, he was also a big reason why I came to UCLA. So he's someone that I really trust in, you know, as a mentor to me. Um, and just being able to to call him if I have any questions, uh, especially when I was going through the whole agency, uh, you know, trying to figure out uh, how to go. He he was the one main one in my ear telling me which questions to ask, how to, um, you know, pick the agent's brain and see what you're looking for. And then, you know, just he just randomly calls me to check up, see what I'm doing, seeing how I am. Um, and then he just has that experience. You know, when I was coming out of high school, he was already in college. And then same with him being in the NFL, he's already there. Um, he's just been there for me. And um, he's someone that uh, I really look up to as like a big bro. No doubt. No doubt. Um, all right. Two more things, then I'll get you out of here. I don't know if you'd be able to answer this one. Uh, I ask it at times. This is, you know, I, again, I told you a little bit a little earlier. I covered – fan follow the Dallas Cowboys a lot. Have you had any conversations with them throughout this process? Yeah, um, a little bit. Um, I know I have a, a private workout with them coming up in a, in a few weeks. So, yeah. Awesome. Good deal. Good deal. They're, they're kind of in the market for a left guard right now. So that's why I'm curious. <laughs> you know, they, they drafted yeah. Tyler Smith early last year. He played a lot of left tackle for them um, in year one and, trying to figure out if they're going to bring Tyron Smith back. If they do, maybe he slides in. But if not, I mean, it sounds like they're trying to make him the left tackle of the future and that they're, they're, they pretty much don't have a left guard on the roster right now. So <laughs> that's a position that as someone who follows the team very closely, does a lot of draft work trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, it's kind of – that's a position that we could see them drafting, you know, early and and if not early, you know, mid mid rounds, late rounds, whatever it is. So I'm looking at day one guys, day two guys, day three guys, and I'm like, man, I love that mentality that Antonio Maffi brings with his <laughs> – and, and getting the run game back. I mean, it just makes a whole lot of sense based on the player that you are and what you offer. Um, so I, I like that fit and would, would hope they're, uh, they're looking at you nice and good. Yep. All right. I always close it out with this one, but uh, any team that drafts, whatever team drafts, Antonio Maffi, what are what are they getting in you as a player, as a person, guy on the field, guy off the field, um, the fan that you know, the, the casual fan after they watch you on game day, but also read about what you're doing on the field and off the field. What are they going to get in you? Um, first off, they're going to get a professional. Um, I think the biggest thing right now that I've learned about myself is how to live as a professional. They're going to get someone that's going to come in and handle business. Um, on the field, obviously, I'm going to set the tone very early, come in and dominate. That's, you know, my intentions is to play as fast as I can. Um, and then, obviously, off the field, uh, you know, me, I'm just – I personally feel like um, I'm a good guy. I'm a locker room guy. I love hanging out with the boys and just building that camaraderie. Um, and then you'll also – you'll always see me around town. Um, I just randomly go for walks a lot. So I imagine I do that as well in that whatever city I'm playing in. Um, and I, I'm very approachable. Um, the way I play is not the way I am off the field, that's for sure. 
Um, I have an on and off switch for that, so there's no need to be uh, scared or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always approachable. It doesn't really matter. Um, I'm always free to answer questions. Um, and yeah, that's who you're going to get. All right, I lied to you. I said that was what I was going to close out with. This is actually – that's normally what I close out with, but I, I always got to get this answer. You played against some really talented defensive tackles, defensive linemen um, at UCLA. Is there somebody that stands out to you, somebody either coming out this year or is coming out here in the future that just you go, that was a that was a tough day at the office, whether whether it was just a tough battle or he gave you 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 know gave you some things you, you, you feel like you needed to learn on after the game. Somebody that stands out that you played uh, in that interior at UCLA that you you. I'd say um, Tuli Tuivolotu uh, from USC forty nine. He played DN, but um, in our game, you know, they brought him inside, and, and we had a good battle there. Um, you know, he obviously is a really great player. Um, I'm also just proud of just he's another uh, Tongan descent. So be go- going up against him was really fun. You know, it was all it was all laughing after hitting each other, just because like, all right, let's go, let's run it again. Um, but yeah, I definitely say Tuli from uh, USC. Kid's a baller, um, and uh, I think he was definitely one of the better uh, defensive linemen I played this year. No doubt, he'll be he'll be drafted this year too. So that's that's another yep. good player to to get on the radars. But uh, Tony, this is great, man. Um, I'm a, I'm a I honestly I'll, I'll be real with you. I hate watching offense linemen the most because I feel like that's the worst thing I evaluate. Not not because it's like boring or whatever, but like. I just I'm, I struggle with it. I don't know what it is. I never played the position. I'm not, I'm not really great at like picking out on you know. I understand the scheme. I understand all the techniques and all that. But man, it's just it's it's one I always seem to struggle with. But man, I have a blast watching your tape. I think that you're going to be a, that mentality you bring into the NFL and you play with the UCLA is easy easy to translate over to the NFL game. And I think that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sundays now too. So. Appreciate the time, man. I think you're going to do a really good job in the NFL, and I can't wait to see where you end up. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Antonio Maffi, UCLA, left guard, possibly some right guard too. Uh, Interior offense lineman. We're excited to see where he ends up. Make sure you follow his pro day closely uh, as that is next week. Good luck at your pro day, man, and we'll, uh, we'll be tracking you throughout this next month or so. Thank you. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org slash future to learn more and support their cause.